0: And I always appreciate hearing our children and singing, of course, the families. Tommy practiced really well this morning. Uh, they gave him a mic, it wasn't turned on, uh, but he was excited about it. He saw you all, and that just did it for him. And uh, maybe he'll maybe he'll join them as they sing it tonight for us again. Hint. Uh, if your Bibles are open to Luke chapter two, as we begin the message today. I want to just say once again how much I appreciate you taking the time to be on church in church on Christmas day. Uh, I know there's a lot of traveling. I've talked to a gentleman yesterday and uh, they have trips to all kinds of in-laws and outlaws and everything like that. And their entire Christmas celebration is just traveling from point A to point B to point C and so forth. And I realize that is probably the case for many in this room, but somewhere along the line, you decided you were gonna be in God's house uh, on Christmas day and it's a Sunday, and thank you for taking the time to do that. As we approach this particular Sunday with Christmas falling on a Sunday, my mind went back to the days when I grew up in the 1960s, and it was a different world back then. When I was a little boy on Christmas Day, if it fell on a Sunday, every church of every kind would be opened and would be filled from one end to the other. When I grew up, On Christmas Day, if it fell on a Thursday or a Tuesday or a Saturday, every church would be open on Christmas Day and it would be filled. Everywhere you went, in every town square, there would be a nativity scene and you didn't have the ACLU out there uh, threatening lawsuits if they took it down. They were there and everybody was happy about it. And nativity scenes didn't include elves and Santa Claus and reindeer It included Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus and shepherds. And I know the wise men weren't at the manger, but they were in our nativity scenes as I remember them growing up. I remember going to public school and we'd sing Christmas carols and we'd have an assembly on the last day before Christmas vacation and that's what we would do. Usually the school choir would have a presentation and they might sing a few of the sillier songs, jingle bells or something like that. But we always sang, oh, come all ye faithful and silent night and away in the manger. That was just part of our culture. Not everybody in America was saved, but there was a greater respect for the things of God than we see happening in our world today. When I grew up, I never heard anybody say happy holidays. We said Merry Christmas. We said it without fear of being shut down or, or uh, chewed out by someone who was woke we just said, Merry Christmas, and we got a warm smile and a Merry Christmas in return. Even Charlie Brown, remember that one? Even Charlie Brown, when we were little children, I remember watching the Christmas special. I can remember the first time I saw it. and. Charlie had that, uh, that sad little Christmas tree, I've, I've had a few like that, had that sad little Christmas tree and feeling bad about it because it wasn't nice and beautiful and decorated and, and as the controversy went on and all of that, there came Linus with his trusty blanket at his side and quoted from the King James Version of the Bible the story that we just read about the Savior who came. And, and the entire nation was reminded in a children's show that it's not about trees and lights and gifts and all of those other things. It's about a baby that was born in a manger. That was the world that I grew up in. How many, how many remember such a world? Wasn't that a wonderful time to grow up, a wonderful time to live? Sadly, that, that world has kind of passed away. Little by little, Christmas has been hijacked, if you will, will, and now in our public schools, in most of them, it's against the law to sing a Christmas carol. They can face a lawsuit if somebody gets offended for singing Silent Night or anything such as that. Uh, Now it's uh, many store clerks uh, are forced to say Happy Holidays. They're not allowed to say Merry Christmas lest they offend a customer. Uh, that type of thing, and everybody has to be careful. And and like I said, you don't see a lot of nativity scenes. Uh, You don't see the things that we grew up with. But I'm just happy to tell you this morning that I'm just an old-fashioned guy, and I still believe in the old-fashioned notion that Christmas is all about the birth of Christ. We taught our children about Santa Claus, believe it or not. We never fibbed to them and said, he put the presents under the tree. Uh, I didn't want to have to straighten out that lie later on and then have them say, but you taught us Jesus was real too. Are you telling the truth about that? So we, we did teach him about Santa Claus, that he was make-believe like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, you know, we would watch the, the, the little Christmas specials and all that th- kind of thing with our kids. But, but they grew up knowing that Christmas was about the Savior, When Timmy was a little guy, about four years of age, uh, we went to a a department store in Newark, New York. We lived in upstate New York. Uh, It was called James Way. Anybody ever heard of a James Way? They were like a practice run for for Walmart or Target. Uh, I don't think they exist today, probably for good reason. Uh, But we went in there. It was kind of the only place in town and uh, so forth. And uh, they had the saddest looking Santa sitting in a rocking chair up by the the cashiers where you checked out. Uh, He was sitting in a a, a wicker chair. Uh, He had on uh, work boots and a plaid shirt and all that kind of stuff. Um, he he had the the worst, scraggliest beard in the world. I'm not even sure why any parent would want their child to sit on that Santa's lap or whatever. And uh, so we walked by and and so forth. And uh, Timmy, like I said, he was just a little four-year-old guy, something like that. And as we walked by and, and he saw their version of Santa sitting in the chair, Timmy got all excited and said, Look, Mom, it's Noah! We had a little Bible story book that uh, we, we read to him regularly, and, and it had a picture of Noah in there, and evidently. And everybody's staring at us thinking that, you know, what are you teaching your child? Oh, we're just teaching our child the Bible, uh, and we're okay with that. Uh, probably two or three decades ago, we began to start hearing a little slogan, a little bit more than I remember it as a child. And it is, the slogan is this, Jesus is the reason for the season. I think it was somebody just got tired of everything being commercialized and the focus being taken off a manger and all about presents and flying reindeer and all that kind of stuff. And whoever started it, I'm not sure that necessarily their reasons, but I agree with them. Totally agree with them. Jesus is the reason for the season. Beloved, do you understand that much of the world today is celebrating the birth of Christ. Even in places where it's outlawed and illegal, like many of your communist countries, your Muslim countries, and so forth, there are believers like us that are huddled together, uh, oftentimes in private, uh, quiet little corners, and they are celebrating the birth of Christ and in very soft voices, hoping that they're not overheard. They're singing their version of Christmas carols in whatever language it happens to be that they are in. There are are people across the continent of Africa, some in in beautiful churches in the cities and others in little mud brick huts out in the the bush. And they're gathered together. Uh, Some are sitting in padded pews and some are sitting on homemade wooden benches, others sitting cross-legged on the ground. But they're singing the same song that we sing and they're worshiping the same savior that we worship even secular people who don't necessarily subscribe to the fact that god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son they're celebrating christmas because they're all into a few days off school and a few days off work and trees and presents and, and all that goes along with it but do you understand if it wasn't for the birth of the lord jesus christ nobody would be celebrating anything nobody not not even those who don't subscribe to the to, to the biblical account of the coming of christ Nobody be celebrating anything. We're here today. We're celebrating today. The world's rejoicing today because of Jesus Christ. He's the reality of this Christmas season. And the truth is, we have we have reason to rejoice. Uh, whether we we had a lot of presents under the tree or maybe we didn't have any. Whether we got a lot of cards or maybe we only got a few of them. Uh, whether we're we're in good health or poor health, we can still rejoice today because of Jesus. Christ. Jesus is the reason for the season. And we, we just ought to stop and thank God for that. But it's bigger than just that. Jesus is the reason for our salvation. Amen. The reason for our salvation. Look back in Luke chapter 1 as Mary... She's found out that she's going to bear a child. She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth rejoices because that baby inside of her, John the Baptist, leaped for joy when Mary stepped in, and and, uh, Elizabeth confirmed the message of the angel. Verse 46, this is called the Magnificat. Mary's exaltation, she begins, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my what? Savior. God my Savior. There is an erroneous teaching that Mary was somehow sinless. Well, she wasn't. I don't mean to denigrate her. She was an awesome lady. Do you understand that Mary is, is rejoicing in the fact that God sent her a Savior? I'm rejoicing in God, my Savior. After John the Baptist was born, his father Zacharias found his tongue loosened. And in in Luke chapter 1, he begins to praise the Lord. In verse number 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and, what's the next word? Redeemed his people. He goes on and talks about the child that his wife has just uh, given birth to. He says in verse 76, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Oh, what a message Zacharias had. God has sent us a savior and my son will be the one to herald his coming to let everybody know, behold, here he is, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus is the reason for our salvation. If you'd look please in Luke chapter 2. We read in verse number 10 about the angel of the Lord appearing unto the shepherds. Verse 10 And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Do you know that the word good tidings also translates as gospel? The word gospel means good news, good tidings. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. Jesus is the reason for our salvation. Not a person will go to heaven because they were a Baptist. Not a person will go to heaven because they were religious. Not a person will go to heaven because they gave money, because they lived a good life, because they were a good husband or wife or parent. Not a person will go to heaven because uh, they they, they, uh, performed a lot of good deeds because they didn't get in trouble with the law. No, anybody that goes to heaven is going to go there because of Jesus Christ. The the apostles proclaimed when they were told in Acts chapter 4, don't make any more mention of this name and this man, Jesus. Don't be talking about him as someone who died and was buried and raised again to pay for the sins of mankind. Be quiet. Never mention him again. And they said, man, we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. And they went on to say, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you are saved this morning, if you have that assurance in your heart that one day heaven will be your home, it is because of Jesus and Jesus only. It is not Jesus plus church, Jesus plus baptism, Jesus plus good works. It's Jesus, period. Jesus, period. He is God's gift to us. Uh, The Bible says, but God commendeth. He showed, he demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, incapable of saving ourselves, Christ died for us every one of us today ought to have a humble heart just just lift it up in holy praise thank you lord for being my savior because everybody needs one and there is only one and it's jesus christ every man woman and child living on this planet right now they say we're at 7.8 billion people right now every single one of us one of these days we are going to face that thing called death. And the only way to be ready for that is to make sure that you've been born again, you've been saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. This morning, I woke up early. It was still dark and my phone was buzzing with Christmas messages from people I know from around the country, from some of you. By the way, don't wake me up that early. No, I was already awake and my phone was, was started buzzing and And uh, so I sat up and I just looked at a few of the messages that came along. And uh, like any good Christian, I checked Facebook to see if anybody liked my picture of my supper last night, that type of thing. And uh, the first article uh, that I read was a note from a family that I know uh, just brought everything to a halt for a little while. We've been praying here for a fellow by the name of Chad Vest. Uh, Chad lives in Gaylord, Michigan. He and his family have been there for years. Great servant of the Lord, man in his uh, early 50s, got eight or nine children. Uh, Just just a a solid, kind, gracious man. For many years, he taught and served at Grace Baptist College in Gaylord, Michigan. Uh, Had a great influence on my son, Tim, and his wife, Carla, uh, on Brother Adam and Miss Janelle, uh, on the Potter family. They all went to school up there. And uh, Chad, just a great Christian, a few years ago, uh, Chad was diagnosed with throat cancer, and we've mentioned him many times. He's been on our prayer list as we've prayed for him. And uh, a few months ago, they were going to go in and and, uh, reverse some of the surgery uh, to take the the trach out so that he could begin to talk again uh, and so forth. And as they proceeded to do so, they uh, had run some tests and some other things, and they discovered that his cancer had metastasized to kind of all points inside of him. Last night on Christmas Eve, Chad went to heaven. His first grandchild is due this coming March. They were hoping that they would have Christmas and New Year's with him. They were hoping that he'd be around to see his first grandchild, but he went to heaven instead. And if family grieves, I've cried a lot of tears for him. I know my family that knew him, they're, they're grieving as well. But you know Chad's having the best day of his life. He's not sick anymore. There's no cancer. He's in a place where that doesn't happen. Uh, no oncologist in heaven. If that's your career, you're going to you're gonna have to go back to school when you get to heaven and learn something else. <laughs> No hospitals, no funeral homes, no undertakers, no cemeteries, no hospitals. You understand? No police, no lawyers. That's your profession. Better make all the money you can now because you're out of a job when you get there. Heaven's this amazing place and he's healed. He's happier than he even knew was imagined. He's in the presence of the Savior that he loved and served. The Bible talks in First Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul writes and says this, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Asleep is a term the Bible uses for believers who pass away. We would call it death. Um, when Lazarus died, Jesus told his disciples, said, let's go and, and, and see him. And they, and they said, uh, you know, is he still sick? He said, no, our friend sleepeth. And Jesus knew he had died. He was just saying, it's sleep, It's temporary. So Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. All around this room today, there are those of us that were rejoicing in Christmas 2022. Uh, I had a wonderful time watching my grandchildren open gifts this morning and wrapping paper flying all over the place. Uh, their gifts eventually getting mixed up, one with another. Uh, oh, that's my favorite. Oh, I've always wanted that, though they've never seen it in their entire life before then. But it was just a, it was just a joy to watch the happiness and all of that uh, that went on. And when it was all done, I walked upstairs and I looked at that picture that is present in every single room. And uh, Lord, would you just tell her I said, Merry Christmas? Would you tell her that I said, Hello? Would you tell her that I missed her? And I'm not the only one like that. But isn't it wonderful that we have a hope and assurance from the word of God that we shall see them again. The Savior said in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. Amen. To every person in this room today I would ask you to honestly examine yourself um, Have you been saved? Have you settled this matter of where you're going to spend your eternity? I grew up in a church where we talked about the Christmas story and we talked about Easter, the resurrection, and all of that, and all other things in between. Uh, I could have quoted most of the Ten Commandments, the 23rd Psalm, the Beatitudes, other verses that I'd memorized. But as as I learned all that and, and amassed some Bible knowledge about things, The worst thing that happened to me there was we talked about Christ being born and dying on the cross and being raised again. And then they they actually said, now, if you want to go to heaven, you have to be a good person. If you want to go to heaven, it's all up to you. And you've heard me use the illustration. The minister stood there with his hands out to each side and taught us when I was a kid, when, when you die, you'll stand before God and he'll have a set of scales. And on one side, he'll put all the good things you've ever done and the other side he will put all the bad things. And whatever side is heaviest determines whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell. That's what I was th- I still see the image. He wore black robe. And I still uh, can see his arms going up and down. And I was a kid. This was back in the 1960s. And, and, and I trusted him, and, and I believed that. And, and I, every time I did something wrong, I just saw the scales going down. And, and, and I didn't know, do good works weigh the same as bad works? And, and I, I always lived in this fear, especially when I'd done something wrong, that, that the scales were here if anything happened, that, that I wasn't going to get to go to heaven. And that's the way I lived under such a terrible burden. I'm so thankful that the Lord in his mercy moved my family and I to a new town some 50, 60 miles away. Two weeks after we moved, somebody knocked on our door and invited us to ride a bus to a church like this. And I heard the truth from the word of God. I heard John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I listened to that message for three days in a row. And on the fourth day, when I went back to that Bible school setting, I knew I was gonna hear it again and and I was all ready for it. I had already decided at the end of that service, when they asked people to come so they could learn how to know for sure they're gonna go to heaven someday, I had already determined, And when they say that, I'm going to be the first one out of my seat. I'm going to be down there. And I was. And a lady named Shirley, an off-duty police officer, took that Bible and showed me how to be saved. And I received Christ as my Savior. And I'm going to go to heaven someday, not because I turned over a new leaf or became a better person, but because when I heard the gospel, I received it as such, those good tidings of great joy. And he wasn't just a Savior. He became my Savior. Do you have such a day in your life? If not, can I invite you to make Christmas Day 2022 the greatest day of your eternity by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm not asking you to join this church or be a Baptist or anything like that. I'm asking you to open up your heart by faith and receive God's gift of eternal life because Jesus is the reason for salvation and there is no other. There is no other. That's, you've got the Bible. Neither is there salvation in any other. Jesus is the reason for our sacrifice, for our sacrifice. You don't have to turn there, but you can if you'd like. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 is the famous story of the wise men. Contrary to what we think, the wise men didn't come to Bethlehem the night Jesus was born. They were not there with the shepherds. When they came, we believe the Savior was about two years of age. Because when Herod inquired of the wise men when this child had been born, when the star appeared, he then responded by having all of the children in Bethlehem, two years of age and under, uh, murdered trying to get rid of God's Savior for us. And of course, he failed in that. But the Bible says, look if you would please, verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They traveled a long way to meet the king of the Jews. They didn't know what they were going to find. They didn't find him in the palace in Jerusalem. They didn't find him in the palace of the high priest in Jerusalem. They found him in a simple home in the little country town of Bethlehem, there with his mother, his stepfather Joseph. But when they found him, they knew what they found. The Bible says they fell down and they worshiped him. The idea of worship means to ascribe honor to. To, to, to express how, how much worth this person has. And not only that, after they had worshiped him, then they said, we've got some gifts for you. And they gave him the finest that they possessed: uh, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They gave him their very best. Jesus is the reason for our sacrifice. God doesn't want any one of us giving out of a begrudging heart, but rather willingly. Well, why should I give Willingly because he gave himself willingly. Nobody forced Jesus on the cross. If you study your history from the Roman period, if you ever study up on the subject of crucifixion, when the victim was laid down, was crucified, they laid the cross flat on the ground, and then the victim was to lay on the cross where his arms and, and would be stretched out, his feet, and they would be nailed to that cross in place. The victim knew that once he was fastened to that cross, he was not coming off alive. Crucifixion was a death sentence. It was not a punishment that lasted for a little while and then you got down and and it was done. It was a death sentence. They knew once the nails were in place, they were not just going to die. They were going to die horribly. That's the way it was. Josephus A Jewish historian of that time period writes and describes the process of crucifixion that oftentimes when the victim was to be placed on the cross, he would resist so violently, and any one of us would, so violently that it would take several huge Roman soldiers to put him down and others to be able to take his arms and stretch them out far enough so that the nails could be hammered in. And it wasn't until the final nail went in place that the victim's strugglings had no more value whatsoever. They resisted with every ounce of their being, and even a little person like me could possibly overwhelm giant soldiers as that adrenaline came through, realizing, uh, this is I, I need to get away from this. The Bible says that he willingly... Offered himself. Do You understand nobody forced him onto that cross. He could have stopped it in a heartbeat. He said, know ye not that I can uh, uh, call unto my Father and he will send 12 legions of angels. He could have had the host of heaven there, swords drawn and wiped them all out. But that's, that's not what he wanted. He came for that cross. Amen. He came for that cross and he willingly laid himself down for you and I. Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, the mercy that God's extended us, particularly in Jesus dying on the cross, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Oh, that God would deliver us from a grudging heart, whether it's giving of our time, our talent, or our treasure. Would we understand that he is worthy that we'll never outgive him, that we'll never give anything to him that even comes close to matching what he has already given to us in Christ. Jesus is the reason for our sacrifice. Can I ask you to turn to Revelation chapter 5? And we'll be finished this morning. He's not just the reason for the season and the reason for our salvation or our sacrifice. Revelation chapter 5, he is the reason for our song he's the reason for our song John is getting a vision of things happening in heaven right after if you will the rapture of the church takes place and um would you would you notice with me please verse number nine this is surrounding the throne of God the angels are there you and I if we are saved We will be there. You might want to memorize memorize these verses so you know the words to the song and you're not lip syncing that day. The Bible says, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign in the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, that's over a 100 million voices being lifted up, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said amen, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. He is the reason for our song. I don't always have good days, but I always have a good Savior. Amen. I don't always have good health, but I always have a good God. There is never a day that goes by that I cannot honestly say God is always good. Brother Chad Vest, who I mentioned, went home to be with Jesus last night. A few days ago, he was still awake. He had his family gathered around them, and he made every member of his family out loud say in unison more than once. He said, I want you to say this, and I want you to mean this. I want to hear every one of you say this God is always good man suffering the pain of cancer understanding he's going to say goodbye to those people that he loves for a short time till one day they they meet him in heaven but he wanted them to remember something i know you don't understand this right now but don't you ever forget this god is always good by the way church we had somebody around here that taught us that didn't we and, and her picture graces the lobby and the plaque with her handwriting, God is always good, is somewhere out there. I think it's not up because of Christmas right now. But God is always good. Jesus is the reason for our song whether it's hot or cold, whether it's raining or snowing, whether I'm in good health or poor health, whether I got problems or none, I've still got Jesus Christ. He's going to be with me forever and ever, and someday I am going to be with him forever and ever and ever. Jesus is the reason for our song. If there's anybody on earth that ought to be a joyful people, It's the people sitting in this room that know him as your personal savior. On your darkest day, you're still saved. On your darkest day, he's still with you. On your darkest day, he still hears your prayer. And he hears the cry of your heart. David said, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. What a God we serve. Jesus is the reason for all of that. And I realize in some ways I'm preaching to the choir. You're the ones that took the time on Christmas Day to be here. Praise the Lord for that. I'm sure as he looks down, it blesses his heart that you said, I'm going to make time for him on Christmas Day. But let's not just honor him on Christmas Day. Let's honor him tomorrow too. Let's rejoice as much tomorrow as we do today. Let's not wait another 365 days till it's Christmas again to sing unto the Lord. Let that song be in our heart at all times. When Paul and Silas were thrown into that jail in Philippi, their bodies beaten black and blue, blood oozing from all over, placed in stocks in the most uncomfortable position they could be. And the Bible said they were not just put in there, they were cast into the cell. That means they were shoved by a, a big soldier with all of his might. They probably hit the wall and the floor with a thud uh, and all of that. And there they are bound and they hadn't done a thing wrong except tell people how to get saved. The Bible says, and at midnight, at midnight, the darkest hour, At midnight, the Bible says they prayed and sang praises and the prisoners heard them. The world that we live in is a sad place right now. The people around us need to hear somebody singing the song that God is always good, that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. You and I are the ones that have got to lift that song up. That joy has got to fill us. And as they see that, they will know that there's something real and something different about us. Jesus is the reason. If you're here this morning, and you've never trusted Christ as Savior. In a moment, we're going to have what we call an invitation. People are going to stand. Can I urge you to follow my example in this one thing? When I was a teenage boy on that Thursday morning, I knew I wanted to go to heaven. I was convinced Jesus Christ would save me. And I wanted to know that for sure. And when that invitation was given, I was ready. Nobody had to prompt me. Nobody had to to prod me. Uh, As soon as I could, I walked down the aisle and, and met somebody who took a Bible and showed me how to pray and receive Christ as Savior. If you're here this morning and you're not sure you're going to go to heaven someday, can I encourage you with every fiber of my being to make today your day, to make Him your Savior. If you've been saved but need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, one man is going to do that this morning. Today ought to be your day to get that settled. If you ought to join the church, you've been saved and baptized, you ought to do that this morning. But to every child of God in this room, Can I encourage you during invitation time today, whether you usually come forward or not, whether you you pray at your seat or, or, or not, can I encourage you with the words of the Christmas carol? Oh, come, let us adore him. Let's be the wise men today. Let's just worship him, Christ the Lord. Let's realize he's the reason for everything. And had he not come, we would have nothing. Can we bow our heads for prayer?